This is Eye to Eye, an Ayn Rand Institute podcast. I'm Amanda Maxim. Major provisions of the Affordable Care Act, commonly known as Obamacare, went into effect on January 1st. Prior to the law officially going into effect, there were all sorts of problems with the rollout, from a flaky website to surprise cancellation letters in the mail. But this latest healthcare law was meant to address what are major problems in the health insurance market, namely premiums that only seem to get higher and the difficulty of getting coverage for those without employment or with pre-existing conditions. The law, which drastically changes the way that insurance is sold, I think reflects the way or the suspicious way that most people look at insurance companies today. I'm sitting down with Ayn Rand Institute analyst and healthcare expert Ritu Parnabasu. Her recent article, The Broken State of American Health Insurance Prior to the Affordable Care Act, takes a hard look at the facts about the insurance market before Obamacare and finds that they add up to a very different conclusion than what lawmakers have come to. Ritu Parna, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Amanda. So I think that as Nancy Pelosi put it, many people view insurance companies as villains. And speaking from my own personal experience, looking through or wading through complex policies, or God forbid, trying to make an actual claim, it seems like you're in a maze where the evil scientist keeps moving the cheese. The story that we've been told we're a part of, or that we seem to be a part of, is that insurance companies will continue to jack up rates and put the screws to their customers as a result of having too much freedom. And as Nancy Pelosi implies, by calling insurance companies villains, um, the hero in the story is supposed to be the government that comes in and makes everything better. But in the article, you challenge this simple narrative. Tell me what's left out of the story. Well, Amanda, I want to start by saying and recognizing that there were definitely lots of problems in America's health insurance market before Obamacare. And there are problems, as you mentioned, right, of premiums that continue to go up and up and up. In the 10 years before Obamacare, premiums doubled. And that's a really big deal for a lot of people. You don't see that kind of increase in other insurance products, such as car insurance, life insurance. Or you did have problems like people had found it very difficult to find coverage. So there were definitely problems in our health insurance market. And the whole question is, well, what's the cause of those problems? And what is too readily assumed and what was assumed before Obamacare and what the American people were told was that, well, all of these problems are happening in a market that is basically free. The health insurance market was considered basically free, that insurance companies could just jack up their rates whenever they felt like it, that they could turn, deny you coverage uh, because they just could. They were free to do that. And so on this view, the diagnosis was a lack of regulation and the remedy prescribed was Obamacare, which is a whole lot of government control, the greatest uh, ex- uh, expansion of government in almost the last 50 years. And what I do in this article is I challenge this basic view. Was the health insurance market before Obamacare mostly free? Um, and what I show in the article is that in fact it was not that health insurance before Obamacare was already one of the most controlled industries in America. Over the last several decades, 60, 70 years back even, health insurance has been tightly controlled. And in the paper, I talk about some of the impacts that these these distortions have had. 
So getting to some of those impacts, I have a friend who was one of the millions who received one of these surprise cancellation notices from his insurance company. Uh, although he was offered another plan, it was less coverage at a huge markup. And he explained to me that the reason for this change for him and why it was so much more expensive is that um, he was now being pulled with females of his age and um, being forced to pay for services such as birth control pills and maternity, uh, maternity coverage. Um, you know, of course, barring some miracle of modern science uh, or modern medicine, there's no way that he's going to be actually needing those those services or that that type of coverage. So I'm wondering, is his explanation right? Is it true that people are being forced to to pay for coverage that they don't need? Yes, what you're describing, uh, this is called these are called mandated services. So these are services that every insurance policy must include. And it's actually illegal for you to buy a health insurance policy without these services. Um, and these services range from birth control to all sorts of maternity services um, and all sorts of other things like alcohol rehabilitation, in vitro fertilization, acupuncture, massage and yoga therapy in some cases. And the point really is that, yes, Obamacare certainly requires this, but the point is that states have required this for a very, very long time. So Obamacare does not invent this kind of new regulation. Uh, they've existed for a very, very long time. And what these mandated services do is two things. First, they, of course, they raise your costs, right? If you don't need coverage for birth controls, if you're a man, but you have to buy it, now that's going to raise your the cost of your coverage. So it contributes to these sorts of regulations contribute to why insurance is so expensive because we're not just talking about one or two mandates here, Amanda. We're talking about more than 2,000 mandates in play in the United States today requiring coverage for things you might not want or need. So these raise costs, and I think more fundamentally, Amanda, they lower your choices. They reduce our choices. So if you do have a young person and he just wants catastrophic only coverage, he doesn't want coverage to pay for other people's birth control. He doesn't want coverage for alcohol rehabilitation. He can't find a policy suited for him. He has, he has two choices, either buy a really, really expensive policy uh, with coverage he doesn't want or need, or forego coverage entirely. And what you saw in the pre-Obamacare health insurance market is that one out of four people without insurance, right? The uninsured was this huge problem that we needed Obamacare to fix this problem. Well, one out of four people without insurance before Obamacare said they didn't have insurance before this reason because they couldn't choose the kind of coverage that best meets their needs, that instead they had to buy coverage for everything under the sun. And of course that raised their rates and they decided not to go for it. Yeah, so that's interesting. I wanna go back to something that happened before Obamacare and something, an interesting example that you raise in the article. Um, you talk about a situation in the 1990s in, in the state of New York. Tell me what happened in that situation. Right. So one of the controls, one of the ways government really distorted health insurance is through these mandated services that we just talked about. Now, another way is through what they called call rate regulations or rate restrictions. And what these kind of regulations do is that they meddle with how health insurance companies determine premiums for people. And so usually how insurance works is that, well, if you are of higher risk, say for car insurance, if you're more likely to get into an accident, right, if you have a history of getting into accidents for, 
for example, um, or if statistically, say based on your age, you're gonna get, you, they think you're gonna um, be a more dangerous driver, well, you're charged a higher premium for your higher risk. And if you're considered a safer driver, you're charged a lower premium. Well, there's all sorts of regulations in health insurance, and there have been for decades, that actually don't, that actually restrict insurance companies from assessing your risk. So instead they say that, no, you have to charge everybody exactly the same, no matter if some pers one person is more likely to, to need healthcare services, say if they've got pre-existing conditions, or say if they're older, which significantly increases your chances of getting sick, you have to charge everyone exactly the same. So New York implemented these kinds of laws in the early 1990s. And I use the example of New York in the article because Obamacare applies a lot of these rules on a national level. So you can look at New York as kind of like an experiment to see what happened. And what happened in New York when it imposed these kinds of laws is that it destroyed their health insurance market. So you saw premiums go through the roof. So young people, healthy people, because of these regulations, their premiums went up. So a 30-year-old single, uh, single male in New York, within a year, his premium almost tripled. It tripled because what these regulations require is young and healthy people pay more so that older people pay less. Because remember, we're paying the same amount. Um, so you saw premiums rise. You saw young, healthy people thinking, I can't afford to have my premiums go up th almost three times. My, our employers thinking, we can't pay three times higher premiums. And so within a year of these regulations, Amanda, one out of six New Yorkers in these markets dropped coverage or saw his employer drop coverage. So you're talking about people becoming uninsured. Well, government caused this in the state of New York. And more so, because of this government distortion and the way uh, insurance and premiums work is actually premiums went up for everybody more than they were prior to regulation because of the government's meddling, because of the government's distortions. And even till today, before Obamacare was passed, if you looked at the New York market, had had one of the highest premiums out of all the states. And this is due to government distortion. It's not due to a market that is even remotely free. So we're going to get, or we're, we're rolling out something that's now similar to what they've already tried and tested in New York. Yeah, in many respects, it is. And I'm curious about something that you bring up in the article, which is the fact that in America, health insurance is almost always tied to our employer. And what often happens is that if a person loses their job, the loss of, the additional loss of their health insurance can be um, a huge blow. But I'm curious, you know, given that auto insurance and homeowners insurance, those aren't tied to our, our employment, why is health insurance and employment tied together? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I certainly think, and I think hopefully I think most people would agree, life would be easier if your health insurance was like your car insurance or your life insurance or your home insurance, where it has nothing to do with where you work, right? Because we can change jobs all the time. Who wants to change health insurance every single time? That's not exactly convenient. But it is that way in the United States that health insurance is tied to your employer because of government, because of government distortion. And it has to do with the tax policy in the United States. So what the tax policy in the United States says is that if your employer buys you coverage, if you're getting your health insurance through your employer, well, you don't have to pay taxes on those premiums. Whereas if you go and you buy health insurance on your own, right, say if you're an entrepreneur, if you're working just for yourself, or um, you know, you're not in the labor market right now, you have to go buy health insurance by yourself, and you do not get that same, those same sort of tax, uh, that 
sort of treatment. You have to pay taxes on your premiums. So there's a huge financial advantage to getting your health insurance through your employer, which is why everybody who can do it today does it that way. But this is not, this has caused all sorts of problems. I mean, for one thing, when I think about my car insurance, I think about so many commercials every single day from all sorts of different companies offering me all sorts of different coverage. You don't have those kinds of choices in health insurance if you get it through your employer, right? You only have the choices that the employer gives you. And often, oftentimes it's not more than one or two choices and neither of them might be that particularly good for you, but that's all you've got to choose between. And one of the bigger impacts of tying health insurance to your employer is that in many ways it caused this pre-existing condition problem that Obamacare was supposed to solve. So they said, well, if you don't, if you've got pre-existing conditions, you're having a really hard time finding coverage, right? Because insurance generally does not cover pre-existing conditions. You don't offer coverage on a house that's already been burnt down or is already in flames. Um, and but why are people in this situation that they've got pre-existing conditions and then they're trying to find coverage? Well, most people who are in this situation are in this situation because at some point they used to have health insurance through their employer, then they left the labor market, right? Um, or maybe they want to, maybe they're taking some time off, maybe they want to start their own business. And so now that they're out of the labor market, now that they've left that job, they're going to eventually lose their health insurance which means now they have to go and apply for health insurance on their own and they have to be reassessed, right? Now, if you're 45 years old, you left your job to start your own business and now you're going and you're trying to apply for health insurance on your own, well, you're probably gonna have pre-existing conditions, which is gonna really raise your rates. The insurance company might even say, no, we can't cover you. So insurance is not exactly conducive. Health insurance is not exactly conducive to going in and out and changing your policy all the time and change, going in and out of the health insurance market. But that is what government distortion has done and it has caused for many people this huge problem that now they can't find coverage. Another interesting thing that you point out in, in the article, which I think is tied to this idea of getting insurance through your employer, is that many people think that they have health insurance, but it turns out that really they don't. Can you explain what you mean by that? Sure, so more than 89 million Americans, uh, I think they, they believe that they have insurance, health insurance, but in fact, they really do not have health insurance. So I'm talking about people with uh, coverage through their employers. So 60% of people who, Americans who get coverage through their employers, um, they might, they, what they, what they're getting, it looks like health insurance, but it's really not health insurance. And what do I mean by this and why did I talk about it in the article? Well, my point was just this, that government has so distorted health insurance that there's not much of insuring that they're actually doing. So government distorts the way that, that health insurance companies assess risk. It distorts, uh, it mandates the kind of services they must provide. It does, all, it regulates them in so many different ways that the product that insurance companies are putting out is not really insurance in any meaningful sense. They're not assessing risk. They're not managing risk. Instead, they have really become, because of government, almost like middlemen. They've become middlemen. And employers recognize this, that you're not really offering me that much value. You're not really insuring my employees um, because government is not really allowing you to do that. So what a lot of employers do is that instead of paying an insurance company to provide insurance for their employees, employers are saying, listen, you're not doing much insuring anyway. I'm just going to pay for my employees' 
medical expenses. And all I want you to do, the insurance company, all I want you to do is just to process the paperwork, process the claims. If somebody has questions, you know, you guys pick up the phone, you guys give them the customer service, but you're not assessing any sort of risk at all. You're just processing claims. And that is what 60% of Americans who have health insurance that are employers, that's what it is. They don't have any real insurance. And the reason I part of part of the reason I bring this up in the article is that government has almost wiped out health insurance for these people. It's wiped it out. And what you've lost in that scenario is the value that insurance can really provide to people. So insurance, um, the, the process of pooling risk, the, the actuarial uh, science behind insurance, there's a great value to that. It has lowered costs for people. It has given people greater security. All of that has been wiped out by the government. Um, it looks like if you examine the problems that were in the health insurance market before, uh, before the Obamacare law was, was passed, um, you come to a very different conclusion than what lawmakers have come to. Uh, and I think the article does a great job of pointing out the, the issues that existed before and, and how government distortions have caused a lot of the problems that we've seen. So tell me, what is the bottom line? What's your diagnosis for the health insurance market? And what do you recommend as the cure? Well, the point of the article, Amanda, is actually to not give a, the diagnosis. I mean, that's a really hard conclusion to come to exactly what is causing all of our problems in health insurance. And part of what is too easily done, which is why I wrote the article, is that it's just a knee-jerk reaction for people to blame the free market even though in reality no free market existed in health insurance before Obamacare, not for decade, many, many decades. And so the point of the article is really to get people to start thinking about this from the right perspective. And the right perspective means the accurate perspective, which is, you know, think before I try to figure out what is, you know, causing the patient so many problems, is do I have uh, all the facts that I need to figure this out? And the fact that the article stresses is that health insurance before Obamacare was not a remotely free market. It was a very, very controlled market. And that's what I want people to leave with, that that is the general landscape. And anytime they hear any problems, future problems in health insurance, they shouldn't immediately think, yes, probably the, uh, the insurance companies, they're too free. No, you should think, well, I, I know that this market is mostly controlled by government. Could that have something to do with it? And as the article shows, if you actually look at some of these problems, even a few of these problems, you see that government distortion has really been very, very problematic. Um, we'll definitely link to the, the article on the website, the Voices for Reason blog. Where can our listeners find out more of your or find more of your commentary? You can find more of my commentary at einrand.org. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Amanda. You've been listening to Eye to Eye, an Ayn Rand Institute podcast. This episode with guest Rituparna Basu is titled The Broken State of American Health Insurance. Rituparna Basu is an analyst at the Ayn Rand Institute. She writes and speaks extensively on issues surrounding health care. You can read Ms. Basu's insights about Obamacare and the state of American health insurance by visiting the Ayn Rand Institute website at aynrand.org. Episodes of this podcast are available on the Ayn Rand Institute blog, Voices for Reason, or on iTunes. You can find more information about Ayn Rand and her ideas on the web at aynrand.org. 
I'm Amanda Maxim for Eye to Eye.